Hey everyone, welcome to the Curious Girl Diaries podcast. I'm Layla London, aka The Curious Girl. Now, just to let you know, this podcast is not suitable for work. It's also not suitable for anybody under 18. But the rest of you consenting adults, let's get ready to talk about my sex life, sex in general, and everything in between in explicit, raunchy, fun detail. All right, here we go. I remember from a very early age, even probably before puberty, of just being so fascinated with sex and fascinated with bodies. You say that you've sought out a wide variety of sexual experiences with a wide variety of women. Those experiences have been exciting, eye-opening, incredibly erotic, and sometimes even downright repulsive. And then some were enjoyably strange. I would love an example (laughs) of each one of those bullet points there. I think I talk about being a 22-year-old and and sleeping with my 45-year-old landlady in lieu of rent, which was so fucking hot. Oh, my God. That was was Oh, you naughty. You were just like... God, she was great. You were her little Um, sex slave. Totally. Oh, my God. Did you love it? Oh, God, did I love it. Gosh, she was so sexy. I didn't know I was moving towards extreme non-monogamy with this relationship, but I, I knew that I was starting to live more authentically. Hey, everyone. Welcome to the Curious Girl Diaries podcast. I am Layla. I have a really fun guest today. Today's guest is a first-time author. He spent most of his life pursuing adventure, climbing some of the world's steepest mountains, snowboarding, dangerous backcountry terrain, and base jumping off of cliffs. He's no stranger to extreme living, so he thought he could handle whatever his new relationship threw at him. But the very public, open-as-fuck, non-monogamous relationship was more than his traditional male persona could bear. Rather than walk away and protect his ego, Adam applied the lessons he learned about fear to navigate an even more terrifying situation. The woman he loved having lots of sex with lots of other men and everybody knowing about it. After a remarkable transformation, Adam began recounting the experiences in an essay, which eventually became the book titled Seek the Risk, One Man's Journey into Non-Monogamy. Adam, welcome to the Curious Girl Diaries podcast. Thanks, Layla. I'm happy to be here. (laughs) Again. Again. (laughs) (laughs) I'll tell everybody I'll out myself. Adam and I have been just having this great freaking conversation. It was going to be this amazing podcast episode, and then I realized I did not hit record. So we're starting over. All right. This is round two. You got it. You got it in you. Okay. Adam, would you just give us a little bit about yourself and your background? What are you comfortable sharing? Sure. I grew up in New York City in the 1980s, which was a pretty wild and crazy place to be. And my parents were pretty liberal, so they gave me free run of the city. And I think existing in that environment really opened my eyes to adventure because there was no lack of it on the streets of New York. Went to public school, had a really, really great education. But then when I left New York after college, that adventure spirit in me was really sparked. And so I started seeking out extreme sports to sort of satisfy it. And most of my 20s was spent living out of my truck and trying to make it as a photographer in the extreme sports world while participating and competing in extreme sports. And at the end of my 20s, I decided that I didn't want to be broke anymore. (laughs) So I uh, (laughs) 
I thought living out of my truck and dumpster dumpster diving for my food was probably a bit much, you know, once I turned 30. So I decided to, I have an engineering degree, but I started in the business world uh, writing software and eventually made it to Wall Street as a programmer and then started being an entrepreneur. So I I sort of began this, this adventures in business while still, still participating in the extreme sports, but not the level I had been. Right about my mid thirties is when I met Jane, who changed my life. And Jane was this female sexuality empowerment activist who was from Eastern Europe and was getting a degree from an Ivy League university. And I was absolutely, totally blown away by her. And all I wanted to do was be with her. But she was very public that she was non-monogamous and had no intention of changing that. And if I was going to be with her, I was going to have to be non-monogamous the level she had. So... That's how I kind of got attached to Jane, and that was my experience up to that point with Jane, uh, was basically in the sports and starting to be in the business world. Yeah. So you stayed anonymous while doing this book, while writing this book and publishing it. And why? Why have you stayed anonymous? There are a couple of reasons for that. The first was to protect the other people in the book. Jane, to some extent, even though she's she would have been okay if I had not been anonymous, but there are other people in the book that I was not, that were not comfortable being out, and I wanted to respect that. But also, there was a piece of me that wanted to make sure I was doing it for the right reasons, which is actually something I speak a lot in the book about doing things for the right reasons. I wanted to make sure I wasn't writing this for fame. I was writing this for the sake of writing it, for getting the art out into the world and doing it anonymously without pictures of me anywhere seemed like a more authentic way to do it. And then I would, then I knew I was doing it purely for the art. Yeah. No, I'm totally with you on that. I've done this podcast for seven years and I've never been public facing and a lot of people are, but what I see is that the more public facing you are, the more you kind of have to feed the machine. You know, it's like, you got to have this picture of your body and this, and there'd just be a lot of stuff that I'd have to do that a social media wise, I don't give a shit about that stuff. I mean, I really don't like it at all for me. And secondly, I want the podcast, I want the the information and, you know, the stuff that I'm putting out there to stand on its own. It's not about how I look and that you also get to see a picture of me taking ridiculous selfies out in public where people are staring at me and I'm embarrassing myself, you know, because I'm like, oh, <laughs> look at my coffee. Here's my food. Nobody cares. Nobody fucking cares. I'm not that, Nobody you know, cares. they, they, they want to hear my stories. It resonates. And the fact that I can do it anonymously, then I relate to everybody. It's just that either you like what I have to say or you don't. It doesn't become about anything more than the quality of the content that I'm putting out there through this podcast and let it stand on its own. You know, either either it's going to pass the muster or it's not. Actually, I particularly liked that when I was looking, when I was researching podcasts, it's like, oh, she's anonymous. I like that. I know. I know. It's it's fun. It's very freeing too, because like I said, I'm not worried about, I'm just not worried about likes or hearts or, you know, like that. I mean, it's just, I know people like, the stories because they download it. And I, you know, I'm still here seven years later. <laughs> so Yeah. What I was not aware of is that you, I approached a few publishing houses with the manuscript when it was done and I got some pretty good responses, but publishing houses wouldn't touch it if it was anonymous. So I had to self-publish. Oh, that's so interesting. Well, see, I've always, it's always been in the back of my head that 
one day I would do a book too and put all my stories in there. You know, I mean, it's been seven years, you know, I mean, I have every year there's a, you know, there's just lots going on. So I thought, yeah, it's one of these years I'll do it, but I won't, I still want to stay anonymous. So I guess maybe I'll have to, when I, when I go to self-publish, when I go to self-publish, I'm going to tap you on the shoulder and be like, okay, you got to show me the ropes. (laughs) I got to tell you though, the writing process itself was fantastic. So I highly recommend uh, you doing it because it was amazing. When I first started, I was blogging. I just got some blog posts up there. I was blogging originally about my the sexual encounters and then just talking on the podcast about sex in general. But I, what I quickly realized was that back then I just, it felt hard for me to write and get this stuff out. And I just felt I had the gift of gab, but now, you know, with everything that we have, I have all these episodes, I can transcribe them and just start working off of that and come up with stories and then fill in the body of the text around it, you know? And so anyway, Yes, but I'm going to stay anonymous. So I guess I will be self-publishing then. That's fine with me. Yes. So you've done all of this crazy sexual exploration. What started it? And I just am curious, like, what was that moment when you thought, I've got to explore more sexually? I mean, I, I think I've always, always had that. Uh, I remember from a very early age, even probably before puberty, of just being so fascinated with sex and fascinated with bodies, fascinated with my own body and fascinated with women's bodies. Uh, just, yeah, like getting around a naked woman and just like vibrating, like, oh my God, you know, she's naked. So yeah, I've always, always been drawn to sexuality. I always had a pretty high sex drive and you know, I, I probably started having sex around the age a lot of people did, like 16, 17. And it was fun. It was exciting. It was, it was adventure. It was a new thing around every corner. It was why it was eye opening. It was, and I, you know, some of the things I describe in the book, you know, about how it, it's just this, it could be this incredible adventure. And I liked, I liked adventure. Uh, yeah. Now also too, in the book, you, I love this part. You say that you've sought out a wide variety of sexual experiences with a wide variety of women. Those experiences have been exciting eye-opening, incredibly erotic, and sometimes even downright repulsive. And then some were enjoyably strange. I would love an example (laughs) of each one of those bullet points there. Exciting, eye-opening, incredibly erotic, downright repulsive, and enjoyably strange. I mean, I I can think of several that that probably cover a few of them. Uh, I think I talk about being a 22 year old and and sleeping with my 45 year old landlady in lieu of rent, which was so fucking hot. Oh my god, that was that was. Oh, amazing. you naughty! You were just oh, like, oh. God, she was great. You were her little um, sex slave. Totally. Oh my god, did you love it? Oh god, did I love it? God, she was so sexy. Yeah. What I, did you I've love always, about I've that? Always, always liked older women when I was young and she was, she was 45, was 22. She's huge boobs. Um, yeah. <laughs> boobs. I don't know. Is that, is that the boobs right? are great. Aren't they? Boobs. I love boobs. That was enjoyably strange. That was also erotic. I had this older ballet dancer who, who took a liking to me and I think I met her through the bike shop I worked at and she taught me how to have anal sex. We spent a lot of time, a lot of evenings with her showing me the right way to have anal sex. And we had a lot of anal sex because she just didn't like vaginal sex. Really? And yeah. Wow, okay. Yeah. It was, that was exciting. That, 
It was erotic. Was that, was that eye opening, or what, where are we on? Are we on incredibly yeah, erotic? Yeah, I mean, it was eye opening. It was incredibly erotic. That's give me give me an incredible. I mean, incredibly erotic. I, I some this threesome that I I mean, one particular threesome comes to mind that just absolutely blew me away. It was with Jane and and a, and a friend of hers who was this incredible Marilyn Monroe. She looked just like Marilyn Monroe, which was my, I was always had a poster of Marilyn Monroe up on my, up on my wall in, in high school and college. And I, it's someone I'd been lusting after. And one day Jane set up a threesome for the, for the three of us. And that was one of the most incredibly erotic mind numbing nights I've ever had with sex. So Okay, but let's get deeper into that one. So, what, what about that? I, I, I mean, I can't, I cannot dive in. What, what about that was just like so hot? What I mean, mean like there's, there's a couple of things that, first of all, I'm with two women. I am so incredibly sexually attractive. You know, how many threesomes you had where you're like kind of into one person, the other person you're really into, and the other you're like, eh, all right, I know. fine. It's so I'll, hard I'm, to. Have I'm that taking same. one for the team. Taking one for the yeah. team here. You know, yeah, yeah, yeah. right? So many. So it's so rare when you just have three. Or I feel it's rare when you have three just full-on attractions. Everyone was really attracted to everybody. And so the energy of the evening was remarkable. Good news. Strictly Anonymous Podcast is looking for people to call into the show. So if you lead an interesting, naughty secret life that you want to talk about while remaining anonymous or not anonymous, if you're out and proud, that's cool too. Send me an email, strictlyanonymouspodcast at gmail.com. That's strictlyanonymouspodcast at gmail.com or go to my website, strictlyanonymouspodcast.com and click on be on the show. So that's part of it. Also, I was, you know, this was at a point in my relationship with Jane when we were just firing on all cylinders. We were so tight. It was just, we were having the best life. It was just one of those nights we were drinking champagne. Everyone was just happy. So yeah, why, why was it so amazing? I think it was just the energy, the vibe. We were all gelling. We were all in sync with each other. Yes. Okay. What about downright repulsive? Repulsive. Oh, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I've had some engage in some bathroom level events because a person I was with wanted to, and I was like, okay, I'll try it. But yeah, not not for me. I remember one woman, and I don't want to yuck someone else's yum. I'm not here to say no judgment. I just it's okay. there's things that I that just are not for me. You know, I mean, yeah. can't. Not everything is for you. It's not, you know, you're not saying anything bad about it. But if it's repulsive, I want to hear about it. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. I mean, there's some scatting, there's some peeing in someone's mouth, which I know a lot of people really like. But, but, okay. uh, okay, Wait, wait. did somebody do the scat play? Wanted you to do the scat? Did you do the scat? Well, there, we were playing, there was anal play and then. What do we mean? (laughs) No, (laughs) not quite like that. If there's material on your cock during anal sex and someone wants to lick it off, that was, that's, yeah, I couldn't, I had a tough time with that. I, that oh, yeah. I would yeah. too. Yeah, yeah. That was, uh, I and I, again, I, I don't want to yuck other people's yum. <laughs> <laughs> Literally the exact right statement for what you're talking about. Yeah. Yucking their yum. Oh. <laughs> I mean, Perfect. That was perfect. Yeah. Okay. Well, wow. Yeah. I would, I, I don't think I, that wouldn't really be my, uh, wouldn't really be my favorite either. What was enjoyably strange? Oh gosh. I, I mean, enjoy, I think enjoyably strange was the 45 year old. I, um, 
the 45 year old landlady. And you know, when I was, well, you, in, oh, you, gosh, you had to yeah. work off your rent. <laughs> yeah. That was enjoyably strange and fun. That's kind I mean, of fun. Yeah. I mean, I, I, I need to, I should probably have, have a few more catalog ready to go, but for those, for these questions. <laughs> yes. Well, you know, not see, this is your first interview. I'm so, I have the privilege of interviewing yeah, you first. You, you are taking my cherry, Layla. I, oh, I love that. That's right. Okay. <laughs> that could be enjoyably strange. There, oh, this, this is definitely enjoyably strange. There we go. I was not expecting go. to, this have wasn't where I thought my time. life was going. Have your first time with the Curious Girl. Yeah, the curious. Yeah. That makes sense. You'll always remember your first. I, I, I will love always. That. You're absolutely right about that. Okay, so you also you use a term that I really liked, and it's called trophy bagging behavior. Uh, I think a lot of guys have the trophy bagging behavior, but what yeah. is it, and how how did things start to change when you moved away from that type of behavior? This is a, a big part of the beginning of the book where I I talk about my motivations for a lot of the activities I was engaging in, specifically around the extreme sports and even around sex, where a lot of it was done for second party validation or for so-called notches on bedposts. And those are trophies, right? It's the kind of person who wants to put the trophies on their mantle piece. You know, when you walk in like, oh, these are all my, these are all my trophies. That's trophy bagging. So doing it for the notch on the best post versus doing it for the experience itself. It's the difference between wanting to say I did something hard versus wanting to actually do something hard. It's the, what's your motivation? Is your motivation to say you did it or is your motivation for to engage in the experience? And if your motivation is to engage in the experience, you're seeking the risk, not the reward, which is where the title comes from. So in my mid-20s, even into my late 20s, I had this epiphany when I was on this, going to do this climb with a college buddy and it was, it was kind of, I was scared and it was a pretty, it was a pretty good route. And I was thinking, oh, I wish it was over already. So I could, you know, have the, have the, another tick on my climbing resume, another right. notch on my bedpost. And, and there, at that, that moment I was like, holy shit, I'm more excited about telling people I climbed this than actually climbing it. Yeah. And in that moment I was like, okay, this has to stop. I need to, yeah. to sink into my focus the experience. Yeah. Right. And then yeah. I started applying that to my sex life too. I was like, stop telling people how many women you slept with. Stop bragging about sexual exploits. Do it only for your own pleasure and your partner's pleasure. And it's just keep it private. No more kissing and telling. Yeah. Yeah. No, I, I mean, I noticed when I, I've done some not extreme stuff, but you know, I mean, I've, I've run a couple marathons and just, I noticed how sometimes I would just get lost in the, you know, it's all about the event coming up. It's all about the event. You're training for a long time, you know, and then there's a lot that happens. There's a lot of growth and development and fun and just excitement in the, the training. Yeah. Right. And the journey. Right. And, you know, that whole cliche, it's about, it's about the journey, not the destination. So true. Because then the day would come the night before I was supposed to go, I'm getting ready for my race. And I was a little, you know, you, I always feel a little bit sad, you know, cause it's kind of like tomorrow it's going to be over. The journey's over. Yeah. Yeah. Sometimes it, t it took, I remember very clearly like, you know, driving to the start of a race and being like, it's going to be over. And less than four hours, as long as I'm on time, you know, like <laughs> there we go all those months. And it comes down to this and then you go and you're, I mean, I enjoyed every bit of it, but I wish I would have known that ahead of time. Cause it's kind of like you do, you, you take some things for granted a little bit, but that 
I don't do that anymore. And so now, same thing with my sex life. It's like, I'm in there to be in it, to feel it, to experience every little second, all the juicy intricacies of, you know, of being in the moment with somebody and not thinking about anything else outside of those four walls or wherever we are, if there's walls or not, you know, but just, right. just, I'm totally engaged in the acts that I'm doing and the person that I'm with. That's why I feel like I've just got the best sex life ever. You know, I have the best sex I, life. No, you can't. I, I, I have it. <laughs> well, I don't know. You have a, I, I, you got to listen to my podcast. I got seven years of adventures, you know, I've listened I mean, to a few I, of them. It sounds pretty good. I'm, I think I'm, I'm just doing pretty good. Yeah. I'm doing I'm pretty playing. good. But. Yeah, no, I know. I read your book. You're doing pretty good too. So I love it. Was there anything in particular? Did it start to become obvious? So it's like you're moving away from certain behavior. Did you realize what you were moving towards or did you just kind of know? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I didn't know I was moving towards extreme non-monogamy with this relationship, but I, I knew that I was starting to live more authentically. I know that word's overused these days, but I, I was starting to sink into the experiences and being a lot more present. And also in my sex life, I was starting to in, engage on a deeper level with the people I was with and not telling everyone, oh, I've slept with this many people or, oh, I've had sex with that person. Or So I was just getting a lot more life satisfaction when I had that shift. And so I was running towards more life satisfaction. And it, it was a th this idea of, of seeking out the experience is fantastic. And if, if you use that as your life philosophy, it just seemed, or I found that my life got better. I was doing things for the right reasons. Yeah. And I don't know, tell me if you agree with this or not. I have just found that my applying these same, I mean, it makes sense. You know, you apply the same, like I apply a lot of the same just things I do in my normal life when I want to tackle a problem or an issue or, you know, it's like, how am I going to, okay, something's coming up. How am I going to, now, how do I handle this? And because I had those skills kind of outside of the bedroom, I don't know why it's not intuitive to apply them, but when you do, the results that you get are incredible. And I feel like the thing that's taught me the most, the fastest is really my, my sex life. It's just, there's so many lessons there and also so much potential for personal growth, which sound that's another overused word, but it really, it's mm -hmm. like being on the superhighway of, there's anything that's going to come rushing at you fast. It's when you're in these sexual situations and you're like, whoa, you know, it's where, so where funny. Emotion, the, things come up, you know, right. your things come up, you'll be tested. Like, you know, like I'm afraid, or I don't know if I can do this. Like, just jump in. <laughs> just well, jump in. But what's, what's funny is I'm, I'm the opposite. I had my, my rest of my life, all the extreme sports, the, the free soloing and the base jumping, all that, that is what allowed me to feel more comfortable diving into this world of sexuality that seemed I was way over my fucking head. I mean, I did no idea what I was signing up for when I got into this relationship with Jane. And so my sex life got informed by my extreme sports life in a way that you're saying you're, you're, the rest of your life got, has been getting informed by your sex life. Well, my life, so I just, I, for some reason I wasn't, I'm always been a risk taker, but I wasn't, applying it to my sex life and it just seemed oh, like this. right yes and, yes so we are the same in that, in that right in that. so i have that like when there's a fear of something you know or other people are like uh oh, i wouldn't do that deal or no i wouldn't you know there's i'm like 
if the masses are moving away from it, I'm usually like right on it. Cause I'm like, yes, there's a reason everybody doesn't see there's a good opportunity here. And thank you very much. And I'm jumping in or I'm going for it anyway. Totally. I, I feel the fear, but I'm like, fuck it. I know that I have enough confidence in myself that I'll be okay no matter what. And it's kind of that same philosophy that allowed me to start this Curious Girl Diaries, go out there, explore by myself, you know, no anchor person, nobody to confide in and just go out there and say, I need to do this. This is important. I feel like I need this. And it's unusual. And a lot of people aren't going to understand it, but I don't, I don't really care. Like I'm not motivated by that. What other people think I don't care. So I just won't wait for it. But what I realized is once I did again, just how much that opened me up and, you know, like apply those same things to your sex life that we just talked about there. And you're going to have some learning real fast and it's incredible. I mean, for me, it's been incredible. And then if you can find somebody like you have with Jane, where you have this anchor person who, you know, you can go, you get to do, have all this fun stuff together, do all this fun stuff separately, but you're not like, you're never alone in it. There's always, you always have that connection to each other and then you're able to share this stuff and it just bonds you so deeply to have that kind of trust and intimacy between two people. And it's so hard to find, but it's like, I don't even, do we call this extreme sexing? I mean, like extreme, you know, there's extreme sports and this is like, this is kind of extreme sexing. Like, I mean, that's, that's the point I make in the book, extreme non-monogamy. It's, yeah, extreme non-monogamy. I love it. It should be like a sport. <laughs> totally. I mean, because it will shrink, it will like, it will scare you and Bring up any, if you've got an insecurity, boy, it's coming oh, up. Be ready. Geez. Yeah, I, absolutely. I mean, that's a lot of what the book's about is how non-monogamy and Jane really became this mirror into myself of all these shortcomings or failings of my psyche, things I wasn't even aware of that were still controlling me around jealousy and masculinity and, and you know, how much of a man was I. And, and the non-monogamy with Jane was so intense that the only way I made it through it was by just turning the, the view inside my soul and going, why am I reacting this way? Where is this coming from? And only once I did that, and once I learned those lessons, was I able to actually see the relationship and see the, there were some failings in the relationship, but I, it was only then once I was able to recognize my own failings that I could see the relationship a lot clearer, which was good and bad in certain ways. Can you tell me kind of what were all the di gyrations you, your male ego kind of had to go through to get your brain around non this ethically non-monogamous lifestyle you're about ready to go on? And do you, uh, right. I mean, do you think it's harder for a man to watch his partner with someone else or the I other mean, way? I, I, I don't know. I don't really have a good read on whether it's harder for men or women. I think it depends on the, the individual uh, more than anything. So I, I know it was... It was hard for me, and I consider myself a pretty liberal, progressive guy. And it's funny, one of the things in the book, I was like, God, I'm this progressive guy. Why am I having so much trouble with this? And one of the things was that I had an idea of what female sexuality should be. And Jane blew that away. Like, yeah, sorry, no. I've been gang-banged and bukkake by 12 men. Sorry, like, this is... <laughs> Like, yeah, I, I'm not a virgin. 
I'm not. A, yeah, she's not a virgin. Yeah, she wore red on our wedding day. It wasn't an accident. So that was the first thing is is having to like let go of a lot of preconceived notions and and understanding that wow I I had an idea in my head and like you know I say in the book I really went for the freaky women the women who like the weird sex and by weird I meant they like threesomes right I mean <laughs> or they liked anal but I realized that I like these women because none of them ever pushed my boundaries of what I thought an acceptable amount of sexuality. Uh, was for a woman. And, and then here was this woman I was falling for that totally blew that away, that she was this public non-monogamous. She was a female sexuality empowerment activist. She basically said, this is who I am and like it or leave it. And the fact that she was so public was my my masculinity and my ego was taking a major hit. Uh, my climbing partner and best friend was like, you let other guys fuck your woman? And I was just like, oh man, I don't let her fuck women, other men any more than I let her be female. You know, it's just, that's, that's who she is. And, and I played ice hockey growing up for years. I played in college and the environment is very aggro, chauvinistic male. And coming out of that environment and then coming into this, this relationship caused me a lot of internal distress to say the least. Initially, I couldn't even handle it. I didn't want anything. No, I'm like, you do that away from me and I, I, you know, only do it when I'm out of town or something. I was initially just trying to protect myself, but slowly but surely I worked into it a little bit and finally achieved the level where I was sort of excited by her sleeping with other people. But that was, it took years. That took years. <laughs> do you think it's harder for men to adapt to this lifestyle or for women? Gosh, I, I mean, it, it depends on how you were socialized. I, I, Certainly the way I was socialized is that it was a way that, you know, women don't have as much sex drive. I was told, you know, women don't have as much sex drive as men. And well, that we obviously know that's not true. So I have a hard time taking a guess at that. I, I don't really know. I think it depends completely on the individual. Yeah. And what, how would you handle, like, how did you handle jealousy or how do you handle jealousy? So like I said, initially I tried to ignore it. Like, let's pretend it's not happening which was really hard with Jane because she was very public about everything about her. So I, I couldn't ignore it. So when the jealousy happened, when, when I experienced feelings of jealousy, my first inclination was that, oh, she doesn't respect me. She doesn't respect the relationship. That, oh, possibly she's going to leave me for maybe these other guys. What if they're better in bed than I am? For the first time in my life, I was the sexual neophyte in a relationship. I I'd had that's threesomes good, and I'd had, I had a little group that's sex. That's a good point. That is a really good point because men are supposed to be thought of as they're the sexual aggressors. They're the ones leading the sexual relationship. You know, usually the woman's more passive and, you know, he's initiating sex and it's up to her to say yes or no. And, you know, all that traditional stuff. And then here you hook up with someone who's just like, Hey, <laughs> I'm going to do my thing, you know, and, and she does. Oh <laughs> yeah. Says, I'm pretty know, and, detailed in the book. Yes. And you're not, you know, and now all of a sudden, really, I mean, it's almost like she's, I don't want to say sexual competition, but she's very out there sexually. And this is a whole different dynamic. Oh yeah. Completely different dynamic. And you mean, would have ever been, yeah. Than you would have ever been used to. 
Yeah. I mean, like when we were having discussions, we were first getting to know each other and she like, you know, asked me how many people I'd slept with. I was like a hundred and she's like, oh, I've slept with 500, <laughs> you know? And I was like, oh, that's a good number. <laughs> exactly. I mean, it's a, it's a really kind of a bit of a role reversal, right. you know? I mean, and I, She's and so there was fear. I had a lot of fear. I was like, I'm not good enough. And all, and, and fear is a, is a feeling that I recognize very, very readily. It's, you know, certainly in, in all the sports I've done, managing fears has become a central part of participation at that level. So when the fear started arising in me in this relationship, I was like, Oh, I, I know this feeling. There's, let's manage it. Let's understand it. Uh, so I had that benefit, but. I also recognized that a lot of it was 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 driven by this insecurities and this and even if you will the trophy backing behavior that I had tried so hard to get past as a young man like here was this woman that people found incredibly attractive desirable intelligent oh but she sleeps with other men oh she's not she's not worth anything my environment that I lived in and worked in did not value a woman like that all of a sudden she lost all this value in their eyes and I realized how much I needed that validation from second parties. And so that that was playing into this, all these little pieces. And where I finally landed was I'm insecure. The, my feelings around jealousy here are due to some insecurities in me. And I'm not going to ask her to not be who she is just so I can feel more secure because I don't have the strength to understand, like, am I a man? Like, is she going to leave me? What's going? What are these negative outcome fantasies that my brain is creating? So I know that was a bit of a rambling answer for your question. No, no, it's, it's a great answer because the truth is, I mean, so that was kind of like, that's where it was then. But when you find a partner that where you're on the same page sexually and you guys can really explore whatever that means to the two of you, like you're her anchor. She's able to go out and do all this stuff and you as well, right? I mean, it's a two-way street, I assume. Oh, yeah, yeah, absolutely. Right? So, but you're that pri- you're still the primary relationship for each other. So, it's like that opens up a whole new world. I mean, you guys get to not just do this solo, but you get to experience it and share it together. And it's it's yours and it's unique to your relationship and it's very erotic. It's very bonding. And when you can be that close to someone else sexually and intimately, it's like no other relationship can touch that. Even though you may be mashing body parts with someone else and she's mashing body parts with someone else, what you have together, the, the whole total of what you have together eclipses all of those individual experiences, but it adds to what you have collectively. And it's just a totally different way of experiencing a relationship and intimacy with a partner. And it's, I think it's phenomenal personally. It took me a while to learn that. But I wish, I feel like what's, that's what I, that's what I'm trying to talk about right now is what's on the other side of it because you had the fear and then now you're on the other side of it. Could you, like, have you ever been this bonded and connected to another human being in your life? I have since then, yeah. But yes, I've, 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 I've met someone else that, that I had been, that I have not, that connected to. It was a totally different kind of connection. It's a, it was, or is, was, it's unclear, uh, non-monogamous. But the, the connection with Jane was unique in that I was in this learning mode 
the entire time and learning that her hooking up with other men and then telling me about it was actually a love language for her. Like she wanted me to share in her experience, like, oh, I did this. And at first those stories destroyed me. Like I, I couldn't, I couldn't even listen to them. And it actually almost broke us apart because she so much wanted to share them. And I, I just couldn't hear them. And I mean, part of it was that we'd have be having a romantic evening, right? And just being together. And all of a sudden to her, that's the perfect opportunity to tell me about the guy she fucked last week because we're so close and intimate. And to me, it just totally blew the evening apart for me because now all of a sudden I'm thinking about with this other guy and this. And so until I got a lot of structure around that, I was like, okay, if we're going to do this, we're going to have story time. We're going to have share time. And I said, because you would really like me to engage and I can't deal with the randomness. So we're going to set one night every couple of weeks where we're going to sit down and have dinner and glass of wine and you're going to recount to me all of your experiences. And therefore, I get in a controlled environment where I can process and I'm not going to be surprised by things because when I was surprised by them, I never had an opportunity to sort of like gain my composure. It was like, wait, I'm, I'm out for the evening. I don't want to be processing. So that was a big step in getting very structured around it. That, that's how I started. That's how I started the journey. Yes. And you find that that works good for you. And so how are you like, where are you now with all of it versus where Oh, you now if my partner was like, oh, you know, I, I, I got, you know, I, <laughs> I fucked two guys yesterday. I'd be like, oh, cool. How was it? You know, yeah, I, yeah. I, I, I attribute my relationship with Jane, Jane to reaching that point. I, my relationship forced me to look at all the things about me that really indicated masculinity, that really indicated my self-worth, that really indicated who I was. And by focusing my energy there, it, it made sort of absorbing this other stuff easy. I mean, I don't want to make it sound trite, but and it took several years, but that's that was the journey I went on and really falling in love with myself. It was remarkable. Yes. Okay. So you also said too that you say that you think every guy out there knows what you mean when you say sometimes you meet a woman and your insides just kind of do multiple somersaults. Maybe it's pheromones. Maybe it's just pure physical beauty. Maybe it's the brain or maybe it's a healthy mix of all the three. Do you believe every guy knows this? God, I hope so. Because it's, I mean, it's love at first sight, right? Is this some secret guy stuff? Because I, I don't know that all guys know that. Like, I'm like, I hope they do. I, I hope. <laughs> it's the best feeling in the world when you just see someone and you just get stopped in your tracks and your heart's just going, blah, 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 blah. And you're like, oh my God, who, who is this woman or man? Or it's, it's the greatest. I mean, that's one of the best things about being human. There's moments like that. It is the best. Yes. When you're with somebody that you have your, all, all those things, like they're hitting on all cylinders and no matter what you're doing together, it's like, you could just look over and be like, oh my God, you know, like he is, I just fucking want to jump him right now. Like it doesn't matter. It's the strangest stuff. It's almost like I can feel like I'm always on for that person. It doesn't matter. Like there's never a time where I'm like, no, I don't want to talk right now or no. You know, I mean, I just. Everything's better when that person's around. Everything. Yes, I know. And so do you, and you, you think that most guys, they know the difference. Like Ooh, between. Well, I, I know what I'm talking about is the first, that first meeting, right? Before you even really know anything about them, but you meet someone at a cocktail party, at a dinner party, or out at a club. I mean, you're just like, 
holy, like you can't even describe what's going on with your insides. It's, is it, is that lust? Is it love? I, I don't know. But when it happens, it's, it needs to be given the respect it deserves. I feel. <laughs> I know. I think it's like primal lizard brain. It's our Absolutely. caveman, cave woman. Like there's something going on there. There's a DNA. It's an evolutionary thing. Like these DNAs should, should mate. I know. I have often said that when, when a guy, if a guy tastes off-putting, I'm like, that is some strange primal thing where my body, or your, my body's like, you're not supposed to mate with this guy. Did you say you're taste? Gonna... Is that what you said? Taste. No, I, you spoke to my heart there. I always said, I always know exactly how a woman's pussy is going to taste when I kiss her. Do you really? I absolutely do. And it's like, I'm kissing someone like, oh, I know how she's going to taste. Yeah, it's it's if, if, if the saliva I'm... and the mouth taste good, I know I'm gonna love going down on her. Oh, that's interesting. Do other guys think that? Is this like a guy thing? I don't know. I don't think I've it's ever publicly ever said that, that before. It's the first time anyone's ever said that. I'm wondering, like, okay, for my guys that are listening, because I have a lot of guys listening to this podcast, they're gonna have to like send me voicemails, send me emails, tell me whether or not this is something I need to be aware of. I mean, kissing is so kissing and oral sex are basically the same thing to me. They're just that they're both really erotic and they are so similar. They're all they're You're engaging in fluid exchange. And yeah, like if I'm kissing a woman, it doesn't taste good. I'm like, yep, I'm out. Bye. <laughs> I'm telling you, this is why, this is why we we're meant to do this interview because that right there is my light bulb moment. I talk about on the show all the time. Like I love to make out. I love a good make out. And I feel like it's so underrated, but if you're a bad kisser, uh-uh. Yeah, it's, it's not going like, to happen. Mm-mm. I don't want that bad kissing mouth on my pussy. I can't imagine if you can't kiss well, I just don't know how that's good. Yeah, yeah. It doesn't translate right. No. Come on. No, you, know? you have to yeah. focus on the kissing. The kissing is absolutely critical. It's so erotic. It's the for, it's the real foreplay is that kissing. That's yes. when you're just, mm. I'm just getting excited thinking about it. Yes, yes. Anyway, I mean, if the guy's not a good kisser, that's a deal killer for me right there. Now, I'm sure you thought long and hard about the title. And I want to know why, why did you title it Seeking the Risk? Well, again, it's like the, the full phrase is seek the risk, not the reward, which goes back to the trophy bagging versus experience hunting. And seek the risk, not the reward is too long a title, but the reason why I felt it was appropriate is because that's what I was doing with Jane. I was seeking out my fear of being with her, my fear of the judgment I was going to have from my networks, from my world, the world I live in. The fear, I was like, okay, if I pay attention to that fear, what am I going to be missing out on? What incredible life am I going to miss be missing out on if I let fear control me here? So I ran towards the burning building. I like that was a, the riskiest relationship I could have possibly imagined for myself at that time. And here was a woman who just stimulated my my brain, body and heart in a way that I had never experienced before. And I was like, am I really going to say no because I'm afraid of what her lifestyle might say about me or I'm afraid am I going to let my insecurities stop me from doing this just because I'm afraid? And so the title Seek the Risk is about, okay, this is scary, but what am I going to learn about myself What and what incredible life am I going to have? So if you don't take the chances, 
you're never going to know what what could be possible. I mean, I failed. I think in the in the beginning chapter, I talk about all my failures in life that I've tried to do this and failed, tried to do that. So many failures, but it's all worth it when you do come through out the other side with the experience of having had a wild life. Yeah. Well, this is okay. This is perfect because we're getting this going to roll right into that question. I want to know three things that you've learned about yourself through non-monogamy. Oh, yeah. The first is that I'm amazing. (laughs) That, you know, I, I, (laughs) throughout the book, I, I keep going back to the, the, the playground when I was six years old. I keep talking about being the geeky ginger who is being teased for being a ginger. And my entire life, I've battled that image that had gotten solidified in my head. And so much of my life was trying to prove I'm not that geeky ginger. No, I'm cool. I'm tough. Look how tough I am. Look what I do. So I didn't realize until going through the the first three, four years of my relationship with Jane, I didn't realize how much that had been controlling me until I started diving into all my reactions to non-monogamy. So that was certainly the, the first thing I learned was like, I'm not that kid on the playground anymore. You know, no matter what I was doing, I would look in the mirror and I'd still see that kid. I was like, no, the kid's gone. So that was, that was brilliant. The second thing was imposter syndrome. I had been dealing with imposter syndrome my entire life without really noticing it, without realizing it. And non-monogamy held that mirror up. You know, every time I knew Jane was going to hook up with somebody else, I was like, oh, they're going to be better than me. Oh, I'm, you know, she's going to find out that, you know, I'm actually not that good in bed and boom. And she didn't. I mean, she kept coming back for more. And, and I'm like, wait a second, why have I always thought I was an imposter? And I, in the book, I go a little bit into my childhood and with stuff and I, I won't go into it now, but there was this moment and I, I talk about in the book where Jane was blogging a lot and she's this one blog entry. She's like, I overheard a conversation with my husband and a friend of his. My husband was asking the friend, how's it going with your new girlfriend? And the friend was like, oh, it's awesome. She's only slept with two people. She thinks I'm great in bed. And I was like, oh yeah, my wife thinks I'm pretty good in bed too. She slept with 600 people. (laughs) I trust her opinion. He was like, oh, that's a a really good point. Yeah, right. <laughs> so I was like, wait a second. This is a woman who slept with more men than anyone else I know. Why do I keep thinking, like, if she hasn't found someone better than me yet, I should feel pretty good. I mean, not that I'm the be all and end all of sex, but I'm good and good enough that she keeps coming back. So I applied that to other areas of my life. Yeah, yeah. I love that. Okay. Yeah. And so then that imposter one. syndrome, I it was really controlling me. And it, 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 played into a lot of the jealousy that I was feeling in the first parts of our relationship. Um, And there's one particular experience that I don't want to go into because it's a a very powerful chapter in the book, but there's this foursome that happens with a friend of hers that I spend an entire chapter on, but it is an incredibly, friends who have read it, they were like, wow, that was the most powerful chapter, I think, I think in the book. And it was, it's, I I don't know if you read that part, but I, I, it was a, it was a, it was a hard one to write, but it was one of the most eye-opening experiences of my life. Okay, what's the last, the third, the last thing that you've learned to, uh, about yourself through non-monogamy? The last thing I've learned. Let's see. Those are the really two biggest. Um, I guess the thing I've learned is that I'm really okay with my partner having sex with other people. <laughs> like it's kind of erotic. Like that's that's kind of hot. It is you know? erotic. It is. 
very erotic. I, know, I mean, there's I've something never, about it. I never thought about it before. I mean, like prior to Jane, it was something I dealt with, but now I'm like, ooh. It's hot. I know there's, it's so strange because even now, sometimes when I think about someone that I really like or that I've been with a while, if I think about them having sex with other people, I'm like, first I feel that like, oh, I don't know about that. But then I'm like, but it's kind of hot. And when I watch videos, like if I see a video of my partner having sex with someone else, I'm like, that's fucking hot. I I mean, like, I am more turned on than I am jealous. I mean, so it's like, you know, a little jealousy is okay. I like a little. Yeah, but I really, that's the other thing. Oh, that's the, uh, that's another thing I really learned is that a little jealousy, a little is good. The compersion, the, the erotic jealousy, it's very powerful and it's, it's really hot if you can tap into it. The competitor in me is like, oh, she's got other options. Well, let me, sh-. you know, it's just, it spurred me on to be a better lover. It's like, I can't take this relationship for granted. I better make sure I sh- continue to show up. So that was, that was another thing that Namanagami taught me, that there's that little bit of competitiveness, that little bit of jealousy. That's a nice little cattle prod. That's like, oh, yeah, oh, I'm going to, let me show you. I'm going to make sure. You have a good time tonight with me. I think that's good too, because you know how they always, you see those like cliche, you know, so very cliche, like always be dating your partner, even after you have them, blah, blah, blah. You know what? This keeps you on your toes. Okay. Cause Absolutely. that shit's true, but this will keep you on your toes, especially men, because you are competitive, you know? And it's like, oh, wait a minute. And I still have to keep wooing her. And same thing with, it does the exact same thing for women. It's like, oh. Well, I can't take him for granted because there are plenty of women that would love to be dicked down by my guy, you know, and, and dick down. <laughs> I haven't heard dick that term down. before. Dicking him down. I know. Somebody that a guy I was with uh, when we were discussing non-monogamy in the very beginning of our relationship, that's he was the one that had that term and and I cracked up. He actually I think said it on the podcast. He's like, I don't know if I if I'm if I'm really how great I feel about other guys dicking you down, you know? And I'm like, hey, I understand, but there that's the whole thing. There's that part of it that first it's like, oh no, and then you go, but it is kind of hot when you know if you I like, like a highly sexualized woman. I do. I like women who love sex. And that's just another example of them loving sex. Yes, totally, totally. Okay, last question. Why did you write this book and what do you hope people take away from it? Hmm. So why I wrote it, I didn't mean to write it. It was an accident. I didn't set out to write a book. Right around, I don't know, year five, year six in my relationship with Jane, I wrote an essay based on my experience because I was, you know, by then I was fully in the zone. I was hitting my stride with non-monogamy. Everything was going great. And I was really, I was like, wow, I, I made it through this, this journey. And I'd made it through by relying so much on lessons I learned in the mountains, you know, where I cut my teeth on my own adventure. And I thought, oh, I should write a little essay about it all. And I wrote this little 10-page essay. I just wrote it for me. It was just kind of fun. And I just forgot about it. And then in pandemic, a friend of mine who's a writer came out to visit me. And um, I have to be careful here because I don't want to give away the end of the book. But who's a writer who's who's just who has started on his own journey with non-monogamy and him and his wife of 20 years had opened up their marriage and they were having some troubles and he was asking me a bunch of a bunch of questions about it and he said god you made it look so easy and i was like really it wasn't i said let me uh i wrote a little essay about it and 
he read it and he was like, dude, this story is incredible. Like you need to turn this into a book. And it was middle of pandemic and I wasn't working. And I just thought, well, shit, I've never written anything. Let me just try writing. So I started writing and I thought it would just be kind of a fun little journey. Like, oh, this will be kind of fun. I'll write about my experience in non-monogamy. And very quickly, I realized this was going to be a deep dive into my own psyche. And I started really enjoying the process. And I kept writing because I, what I found in the writing was that there were still things that hadn't healed for me in that, from those experiences back then. And the writing really helped finish healing some of the wounds in the early part of my relationship with Jane. And that was, that was really beautiful. So I just kept writing. And, and without realizing it, I wrote a book. It was, it was a total accident. That is so cool. Yeah. I love that. All right. So tell everybody where they can find you. Okay. So they can find me at seektherisk.net is the website. And there's a contact form there. And there's a link to find the book, ebook or regular book. Um, I'm still setting it all up. This is all very new. I only published the book a couple of weeks ago. And I'm, well, congratulations. That is a huge accomplishment. It I am is. proud of you. Thank you. And um, yeah, so you can find me there. And like I said, I'm still, the website is live and there's contact forms, but I'm still developing it because I'm not, I'm not, I'm not entirely sure what I want to do with it. I'm trying to figure out, put more content up there. And, uh, you know, maybe after this podcast episode airs, if you email me at, on the contact form and just say, hey, I heard you on Curious Girl, I'll send you a free, a free ebook. Uh, we'll do that maybe for a week or two after the podcast airs. So I will happily do that. Okay, so what you're offering a free copy for of the ebook? Uh, of the ebook, I can email you for anyone who who messages me uh, at uh, Adam at seektherisk.net and said I heard you on Curious Girl. I will send you a free ebook. Perfect. There you go. You're on record. Okay. Well, everybody, thank you, Adam. Thank you so much for joining me today. My pleasure. And everybody, yes, everyone else, thank you so much for listening and sharing part of your Saturday with us. Guys, you got to check Adam's book out. I'm telling you, he's like, he's like the curious girl, but he's the curious guy. You know, he did all this fun stuff and now he's documenting it. It's out there. Go consume the content, guys. Read the, get the free copy of the free book and leave him a review. Can we leave you reviews? Please leave me a review. I don't have any reviews yet. So I think I have one review. I just let, it literally just came out, but it's, okay. everyone's Everybody enjoyed that- it. Yes, everyone that gets a free copy, please be kind enough to leave Adam a glowing review. Five stars, please. He will so love you for it. I will love you for it. All right, everyone. Stay happy, stay healthy, stay safe. You know where you can reach me. You know I love your voicemails. So easy to do. Go to thecuriousgirldiaries.com. Click on the pink tab on the right-hand side. You have five minutes. Let it rip, guys. We can talk about anything and everything that you want. You know I love hearing from you, and I get back to each and every one of you personally. Thanks, guys. Love you so much. Bye. Thanks so much for listening. And if you like what you hear, refer me to a friend. And make sure you're following me on social media. Also, go to the website, thecuriousgirldiaries.com, and join my subscribers-only list for access to exclusive content. And as usual, questions or comments, you can always email me at curiousgirl at thecuriousgirldiaries.com. 